On today's show, we got some fan margins as the Irish teams come through the first round of the European Cup with two wins, one loss, and an unbelievable draw. I mean, who wants a win when you can have this a dramatic draw? Draw, draw okay. Well, Ulster got a big win at home yeah, to French Giants, Claremont. It's oh, yeah, and we got a World Cup winner. Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe together with Guinness. We're going to jump straight into the start of the show this week and talk Champions Cup. We've got Trimby and Jerry Fannery on the couch with us. Uh, before that, uh, I have something uh, very exciting to announce. Felix Jones, World Cup winner, will be joining us on the couch in about 20 minutes' time. Excited, lad. I used to know two him. Face. <laughs> Two-Face Jones will be here. Uh, and even before that, I have to announce that Sports Joe has a unique live event called The Great Debate coming up in the Mansion House in Dublin this Thursday night. It will not be broadcast, so your only chance to see it is to get along on the night. Uh, we're taking three of the most divisive debates in Irish sport, and they'll be trashed out, fight night style, by the most opinionated personalities in Irish media. The topics, Dublin GAA has an unfair advantage over all the other teams. Why put on a car cast? <laughs> no, because it's probably them that are saying it. Uh, that'll be Woolley versus Joe Brawley on that, which would be brilliant. Uh, VAR should be scrapped. Dion Fanning versus Ken Early. And my favourite one, the Irish rugby team are celebrity losers. <laughs> and that's Eddie O'Sullivan versus you and McKenna. I just, that's, you could, I, I, hope it descends, that? I hope it descends to Eddie going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I presume Eddie will be defending them, not being losers. I would have thought so, yeah. yeah. Eddie, Eddie will have his hands full there, I would have thought. <laughs> well, you think they're losers? <laughs> <laughs> More just, I think McKenna is going to come locked, locked and loaded. Yeah. Uh, although uh, Eddie, anything I've done with Eddie, he's really well prepped. But I think that he's met his match here. Mm. Would you not think? I don't know. It's a hard. Regardless of where the truth lies, <laughs> yeah, regardless yeah, yeah. of whether they are losers or not. Well, if you sit there and if your if your whole thing is that you're going to pick pick points that irritate people and you're going to you're going to build build a narrative around it and build an argument, you're generally always going to be pretty well prepped. So yeah. the fact that the point is like the Irish team are celebrity losers and you have to defend that is like they're not celebrity mm, losers. Yeah. You're defensive straight away. You're not on the offense. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's maybe his battles with Jimmy um, recently have been a good wee warm-up for Eddie. Yeah. Because they've been going at each other a bit, haven't they? Yeah, but I don't think Ewan McKenna's not going to win if he just starts throwing his eyes up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Nice one, <laughs> Eddie. <laughs> There's no fear of defamation of character there or something. I presume McKenna's going to come with, like, going after players individually. He's not just going to go broadly... Uh, I I think I think the thing is about the celebrity losers thing is that just that the publicity that the players get when they're coming into a tournament and the media exposure the players get and he's just saying oh they're celebrities and then they're and because they don't deliver because they didn't win the World Cup that they're losers. Okay. The fact that it's not going uh, out, Pat. Sure, it's not going. It's not being recorded. No, it's not being broadcast. Yeah. So that makes yeah. me think he can say what he wants. The gloves are off. Yeah, he's gonna. There could be, yeah, could be. Love to go to that. Yeah. You better go. I'm going to go to it, man. Just in case. <clears throat> Any anything happened interesting for you over the weekend? We've got a lot to get through today, so keep it, uh, you know, <laughs> quick, quick. Uh, I was seconds. in London for my, my my sister's 40th. Yeah. Yeah, we went to um, Mamma Mia. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. My mum and dad have loved Mamma Mia. Like we've been listening to Abba Gold in the car for car trips, like to France when we were kids for years. Right. My mum and dad went to see Mamma Mia four times at the cinema. And then go out of one of them and booked a holiday to Rhodes. <laughs> oh <my laughs> Straight God. away. They love Abba, love Mamma Mia. Wow. So they brought us along. We, I got very carried away as well. You enjoyed it? Yeah. Yeah, what's so good about it? Just the singing and dancing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you, Just the showbiz. Are you a dancer? Uh, no. Um, uh, as the enthusiasm started to spread throughout the crowd, then the person in front of us stood up. Mm. I was there, we're all having a good time, let's not ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to sit here. Take a seat, yeah. take a seat. Then everybody started going up, and I had to stand and just like. Shuffle. Yeah, just pass myself. Oh. Beside my dad and my other sister, neither of whom are good dancers, so I was able to. Everyone got up in the seats. Yeah, and everyone dancing. was like dancing like to Mamma Mia. That sounds like torture, man. Mm. It was really up until like literally that was the last 
three, four minutes. Up until that, it was a oh, great okay, show. Okay, okay. I thought it would be like trying to watch the show and having to stand for the whole thing. Yeah, as no, the dude no. In front of you is no, like just just at the end, it, it got a bit. It it left a bit of a sour taste for me. Yeah, <laughs> there was enough good stuff to go back though. I went to I went to I went to was it is it what's it called in London the West End I went to I went when I was living in London for the year I went to quite a few plays uh, just because just trying to do different shit like and uh, we went to one we went to the Book of Mormon oh yeah and uh, you know that you know George Michael and Andrew Ritchie the dudes that were in Wham. Yeah, they yeah, were sitting in the same row as us and I think Andrew Ritchie spilled a drink on on Katie's lap or something like that. That was as good as it got. Well, it was actually brilliant. That show was brilliant. They're still pals. They would, they would have hung out until, obviously, George Michael passed away. But I'm pretty sure once he's passed away, they've stopped hanging out. <laughs> stopped <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> and be like, they lost That's touch. cool, though. Yeah. You sit next to Wham, like 20 years after they broke up. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. At man. the Book of Mormon. Which That's one I wondered, actually, because um, up until a while ago, Felix and I were very close, and he stopped texting. <laughs> I wonder if he died as well. He's George Michael, yeah. I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> You're the other lad. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name again? Andrew Andrew Ridgely just spill a drink on people. That's me. And, yeah, going to plays. All right, uh, it was a weekend of fine margins in mm. the European Cup, and we love <laughs> ourselves some fine margins. <laughs> no further questions, <laughs> Your Honour. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, Ulster go top of pool three after an 18-13 win over Claremont and it all came down to some fan margins uh, when John Cooney made that little break and Chip and Troy phenomenal but if it hadn't happened they wouldn't have won the game uh, Leinster defended their line heroically for the last 15 minutes of the first half to uh, keep Leon 10-0 down leaders of the, of the top 14 correct Mm. And uh, went in, what did they win? Eighteen thirteen in the end was it? Uh, and I think no, down thirteen thirteen was the Ulster game. Ulster game sorry, um, I think those last ten minutes down to fourteen men of the first half again some serious defence from Leinster, um, more fine margins. Connacht some questionable refereeing decisions and potentially a lot of ill discipline as well. Um, allowed Toulouse pull away to a 32-17 win over them, which is unfortunate because it could have been a brilliant scalp for them. And Munster, probably the finest margin of them all, uh, when JJ Hanrahan kicked from the touchline to put them 21 apiece, and then the finest of margins, just the, the little drop goal coming off his, his the left-hand side of his boot, slicing just slightly wide. Mm. Very disappointing. It would, it would have been Hollywood. Would have been Hollywood it stuff would. if they'd gotten that. That's the that's the sliding door moment. <clears throat> Could have been yeah. another huge win for Munster, um, but you know a good result all the same. Yeah, uh, definitely. Your thoughts on that? Like uh, it was a classic. I was there. It was a classic edge your seat nail biting European Cup match in Munster. Crowd were back to their best. Uh, Munster played some good rugby, um, and you know it. I think they kept. Rassing uh, scoreless for the last 35 minutes, which I think is probably the most positive thing they could have mm. taken out of that. It looked like Rassing were not only going to win, but win with a bonus point about 10 minutes into the second half. So, positively, ultimately. R- Rassing looked really, really... Because like, their form has not been consistent this season uh, in the top 14, but they looked phenomenal in the, in the game in terms of how clinical they were when they executed. I thought Finn Russell just looked like... Finn Russell was like a ninja and... Um, Classens, Laure was brilliant. Laure is done mm. a Caroin. They're they're a different side when they. I think we we've played them. I think we played them maybe six times over the last few since I was coaching Monster. We probably played them six times, and um, I think that we beat them. We beat them four of the six, and I think the times that we lost was them just starting to move towards figuring out how how to best use their resources. Like fellas like Laure. <coughs> who's outstanding in, on a defensive line out. He's outstanding there. Getting guys like Dunica Ryan in, having like uh, Gomez Sa uh, and Ben Aroos starting them from instead, instead of some like Tammy Afuna. Uh, they're much, much fitter. They're much more competitive. Their game is based on a lot more than, you know, before it was like just a big play from somebody and then they just hang in there, hang in there, big play, big play. They seem to have a lot more. And uh, The breakdown in particular for me, like I don't know if Munster had a turnover in the whole game. They were just killing every breakdown. Yeah, yeah. They, they look, they look like when you've got, like, I can't underestimate, like, Dunnock Ryan is, to me, is exactly what, 
what the what the French teams lack when they come to play Irish teams. And Dunnock Ryan fills that fills that bucket for them really really well. Mm. Um, obviously, like like guys like Zebes and Finn Russell are the guys that you're going and Teddy Thomas mm. are, are the guys that you're going. We've, we've got to, we've got to check for these guys, but but it's actually. I'm not as concerned about a Finn Russell or a Zebes or a Vakatawa as I am seeing someone like Dunnock Ryan there because I'm like, oh, this is, you know, yeah. this just means that they're going to be competitive mm. for the entire game. It's the effect he has elsewhere, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah. So, like, it, it's, it, I mean, Finn Russell didn't play that well for Scotland because mm. he didn't have the same platform as mm. you were saying. Um, Rassen were just smashing every breakdown, just making him. Making yeah. making life easy for that him. That nutmeg. Oh my goodness, that was ridiculous, oh wasn't it? Who mm. does that? Like? Yeah, I know. Taking souls. Yeah. yeah. All three tries. Yoink. The, the yeah. nutmeg. Um, <laughs> Teddy Thomas is. Thank you, Rory. Your soul like, tastes good. Like, you can just imagine your legs just closed like that, trying to stop the ball going between yeah. your legs. Like you'd look, yeah. look more foolish. Uh, Teddy Thomas is chip. Uh, brilliant play down the right yeah. side. Um, Finn Russell's break for the third one, I felt very sorry for Jeremy Lockman, who had just gotten injured. Mm. Uh, looks like, I haven't heard the, Pat, have you heard any? No, even for Graham was saying after the game that like it looked bad. And he was in a boot at the end on, yeah. on the pitch as like well. He got like mangled so. in the rock, yeah. got up, could barely stand, but got back into the defensive line. And that's the hole that, that, that um, Russell went through. So you have to feel for Lockman. What's, what would you do? You want him to stay out of the line in that, in that play, wouldn't you? I think he no, has to, no, he has to just get in the line, yeah. just get there and just be a body there. I, I, I understand what you're saying. Because it was such a, like watching it in the stand, you're like, what the hell happened there? Mm. Then you go back and watch it and tell you're like, oh, well, he can barely fucking yeah. walk. Like, Man, yeah. Jeremy's been, been quality. Oh, He's amazing. Been absolute quality. Yeah. And, and to have, to lose Kilcoyne with the calf and then to have him, to have Jeremy step up like he has, I think it's, un- it's very unfortunate now mm. that Jeremy's He'll injured. just say it was John Ryan again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. John Ryan is yeah. just like he's getting closer and closer to the tree jersey with Ireland. The more he plays with Jeremy Lockman, I was like, "Geez, man, he's playing really effectively on the field." But um, uh, yeah. Zeebs led the team out. Mm. Uh, so why did Dunnikin not lead the team out? Because Zeebs is more popular. <laughs> <laughs> it's as simple as that. Yeah. I think Zeebs Zeebs would get more from that than Dunnikin yeah. Ryan would. He would feed off that more. Donegal looks too dishevelled to lead a team out. Yeah, yeah. He he's the man who puts on his clothes and just pulls them and makes them yeah, like, yeah. not sit correctly. Yeah. Uh, Donegal Ryan is the sort of fella who would drag uh, a wheelie bag through an airport with the wheels on the top. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike Haley, potentially the best game for Munster, uh, getting a man of match performance um, and some very impressive. Uh, attack play for Munster throughout. Yeah, yeah, I thought Munster looked really, really good. Um, like, I think it's a measure of how good Racing are that 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 Racing, you know, Munster could definitely have won the game as well. I think Racing were probably the better team across the across the eighty minutes, but Munster Munster played with some good ambition, and uh, I thought they looked good. And mm. particularly, we consider that that Munster would be trying, still trying to integrate, you know, the internationals back in. That they should get better from there. Um, I think it's just, you could probably, I think I possibly discounted Racing a little bit because as a French side, I'm like, oh, they're, they're going to be hot, cold, hot, cold. But then when you actually look through it and you go, well, you know, they were missing Mashino and missing Nakarawa, who would make a huge difference when they come back. Nakarawa is um, building a house for his dad or something. Yeah, yeah. MIA, you know? yeah. yeah, he's gone missing. And then, then they were like, we're going to suspend you. And then he's like, all right. Well, go on. <laughs> just stay yeah, here. Do your worst. Yeah. Well, their lineup, their lineup was pretty mean anyway, even without him. But for him to come back in, but then like having the likes of like having Finn Russell there as a game breaker, like he's it just like yeah. remember we I we spoke before about how Rassi used to prep the team by saying, "Listen, you're going to play this team." It was generally Rassing. Mm. You're going to play a team, and you'll get everything right. But then out of nowhere, they'll score a try, and you'll be under the post going, "What's going wrong?" And said, "Just don't panic. Just know that they have the players who can do that." Like Teddy Tama and Finn Russell, that was them at the weekend. Mm. I thought they were, and then having like Vakatawa as well, who probably didn't, who probably didn't stand out as much. Mm. But Vakatawa, Imhoff, like the, the, it's just there's there's quality quality through that team. But I think that Munster have a couple of levels to go up. Um, I thought they would have been happy with how, how how JJ in attack. I thought stepped up well and you know nailing that kick. Uh, look, he didn't name the drop goal, but like mm-hmm. that was that was that would be a smashing grab, absolute smashing grab. But I think 
Munster will be happy to have gotten away with a draw. Um, so it just tees up the next two games with Saris are going to be season-defining. Mm. And I think Saris and Ospreys was a very one-sided game. Saris bringing back some players. like uh, From what I believe, Saracens are probably not going to put any, any emphasis on, on Europe, yeah. which means that, that that could be well, the deciding factor. But for going Munster. off last year, we drew to Exeter and then could afford to lose the cast but had to win every other game, right? So you can, you, you, you'd probably think Munster have to win both games against Saracens because yeah. if they go in with having to beat Racing over there, yeah. um, the last mm. game of the, of the group stages, be up against it. So they've got to go balls out and, and beat Saracens and hope that Saracens don't pick a full strength team. Yeah, I think that's the key, is that if, if Saracens go full whack against Munster, it's going to be very hard. If Saracens, and they, Saracens seem to be going, but we're going to prioritise prioritise the, mm. the Premiership and make sure we stay up there. If they do that, I think Munster have a great chance. Okay. We're in a rush here to get Felix yeah. on, so we get on to the Ulster game, or yes. do you want to talk about Monsters draw? <coughs> go on, go on with Ulster, go on. Do you want to talk about Monsters Is there anything draw more than... Co- There's not much more than... The fact it was a draw. <laughs> Let's talk about the draw. Okay, the, big, the big draw I'm filming. <laughs> <laughs> well done, lads. <laughs> we beat Claremont. Nothing happened. It yeah, was a yeah, boring game. Yeah. Jordy Murphy's class, Kuitzeko... Could see it. Could see it was incredible. Ridiculous. Pretty Six, good. seven, eight, and nine were all class. Yeah. And that was more that was more or less it. That was enough to do the job. Mm. Ulster, I have, I said this last week as well, against Bath, they were they were good, but they just the ball, just a couple of passes didn't stick, weren't quite clinical enough. Same again. Even Cooney, who was he was a man of the match, was he? Anyway, he was brilliant. Could see it was match, yeah. you're right, yeah. Cooney was class again. Mm. But he made a break, could have uh, released Jacob down the left. And that, that would have put them 10 points clear early on. It might have set a tone. They might have kicked on, maybe. There's one or two just passes didn't stick or one or two moments where they could have scored and they didn't. And it was way closer than it should have been. Ulster were way better than yeah, Claremont, I thought. Mm. But I think, we, I think Ulster slipped up because mm. they've given away a losing bonus point. And then to go to Claremont and expect to be within seven points is quite a big ass to go there. Mm. Um, and Claremont. I thought Claremont were really poor, man. They were. They were. They were trying to. They're still dangerous, though. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah. They they were poor. Like, um, um, what do you call it? Arthur Atura? The mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and Yato, the size of those fellas. Yeah, like, yeah. they were throwing their and weight Fritz around. And Fritz Lee. Fritz Lee as well. Yeah. Fritz Lee. Like, I remember the first time I saw him. We were playing Claremont probably five years ago in Europe, and they had like he was playing. He was at. He was like, it was a, I think a six plus line out. So they had a forward, he was at half back. And I went, oh, they're going to maul this. He took the ball and just rips, the, he took the ball off the top and uh-huh. rips a pass like 20, 20, 22 meters into the yeah. middle of the field just for Fofana to fly onto. I was like, oh my God, this guy, he's, uh, I think he came in as a kind of a, he's a Kiwi who I think came in on a, a joker or something like that, on a medical joker. And he's just taken off. He's been quality from work. Yeah. yeah. Y- Yato, like his, his physicality in the collisions is insane. Yeah. Um, they, it didn't help them. They, they swapped their, their nine and 10 after the last game. And they brought in the Australian guy at 10. And, and then, um, what's yeah. his name, came off the bench. Cami Lopez. Lopez came off the bench and made yeah. a difference to them. They, and uh, Laidlaw then started, obviously. But Laidlaw was, Laidlaw's class, but you probably need a wee bit more Away from home, you need a bit more of an X factor. They just needed, man. They just needed to like the first two phases, like their their set piece delivery, and then the, that fir- that first pass to get to the kick. Like I see, Abendanen was trying to. They were trying to turn him. Like it was. It looked like a really shitty night, wasn't it? Yeah, it looked. Yeah. Yeah, and they should have been trying to turn. They were trying to turn them, but the actual delivery by the time they got to the kick was so poor that Ulster Ulster had either shut it down or did the backfield covered. Whereas, and I thought that Ulster played an awful lot of rugby, <coughs> and I think when they. I thought Leinster, uh, Ulster's lineup worked really, really well for them because, like, on a night when their scrum was under the pump, um, I thought that they their lineup gave them really good return in terms yeah. of like they were, I think they were one hundred percent on their lineup, and you know they got pretty good delivery on it most of the time, and they scored a try off it with Jordy Murphy. I think that was that was that was key. So you got to look at Henderson running the lineup well, Herring throwing well. Um, I I, th- I think I hope I hope that Ulster have got enough confidence from the last couple of mm-hmm. games to kick out now and then start just start being a little bit more clinical. Mm. So they've gone that far and they've started winning those tight yeah, games. He's built a big squad, a good squad, yeah. a good solid squad who kind of know what they're about now. Yeah, and even that back row, everything came from the back row and nine, I think really. Mm. And there's enough strength. So Nick Timoney's coming off the bench, adding mm. something big. Sean mm. Reedy was class. Mm. Nick Timoney comes off the bench. Um, Matty Ray is injured at the minute. Marcus Ray finishes last season unbelievably strongly. Mm. 
and then he I think he must have picked up an ox I haven't seen him at all but okay. there's plenty of depth there it's enough for that that, that win that's, no but well done with your, your draws <laughs> <laughs> Leinster 13-6 uh, win over Leon uh, speaking of shitty nights it was a pretty shitty night terrible game uh, shocking the, Leinster... low, the low point of my weekend was watching that in a bar an Irish bar in London with my dad <laughs> and I was so bored we didn't talk to each other the whole time yeah I think I the, just on my phone. that last 10 minutes of the, of the second half of the first half when uh, Larimer Lemur got uh, Simbin the ball was only in play for two and a half minutes the Leinster just expertly wasted the clock and just kept them out um, they grinded out they got a serious result their defence has been the most impressive thing to me obviously everyone knows how Leinster can win um, by playing very um, you know attacking minded game and so good at keeping the ball and scoring a variety of different tries but the Stuart Lancaster has built a defence that is so hard to break down. Baz, when you say that, yeah, I, like I thought, I thought, is it Carl Fern? He's ridiculous. Carl he Fern, is perfect mm, for French rugby. Straight, straight off the, off the door, straight off the door in a nightclub in <laughs> Liverpool, <laughs> and carrying ball, carrying ball. There was one stage, man. Um, there was one stage when, like, I think the question there can be, a, the, you, you could, you could ask questions. You could go if you're looking at the makeup of that Leinster squad now, you're wondering like how hungry some guys are. And then when you see Johnny Sexton come in, and I think there was a tip on played to Carl Fern, and he came in and yeah, jammed, smashed him. Yeah. Smashed him. Now yeah. I think he got he got fucked up by somebody else after yeah, it. Yeah. But it like when you've got your ten, the guy that most guys are like, oh, I don't really want the contact. <clears throat> when Johnny has been as competitive as that, you're like Leinster is still in a good place. And I thought like it was a gritty, disgusting game to watch, but like. I thought Fardy got through an awful lot of work. I thought Max Deegan, again, mm. Max Deegan just coming on and coming on. I think they'll be happy that Kelleher now, you know, playing in Europe at that level and, and, and delivering. Um, was their line out a little bit off at times? They, they, but again, they, Leon contested well, and yeah. there was a couple where, like, it wasn't, a, it wasn't like, I think there was a couple where he, maybe a couple of overthrows, mm. and there was one where, like, I think, I think it was in the first half, Leon just, just contested well. It was a, probably a poor call. Yeah. But, like, Kelleher is only going to keep getting better. If you put him in there, you give him that exposure, then suddenly you're like, because you, you, you'd start looking going like, is he good enough to be in the national squad? And then when he, well, if he's playing at that level and he's, he's doing all right, you know, like, who's, who's the next, like with Rory gone, you probably look at Niall Scanlon who's the next guy and, and if, you're, if, if you're just looking at on set piece, like Munster's line-out struggled against, against an outstanding, outstanding racing defensive line-out who took Saracens apart the week before, but like if that's what it's at, then Kelleher's in the mix. The, the test will be when, I don't know how um, seriously injured Sean Cronin is, how long it is, but the test will be when Sean Cronin comes back from injury. He is mm. injured, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when he comes back, <coughs> if he doesn't get his place back, that'll be, yeah. that'll be a big, big moment for e- Kelleher. Either, either then, I think that Kelleher should be, should be looking at getting in the mix. Like mm. we, before, it was, it was generally Herring, Scannell, Best, Cronin. Well, Best isn't there anymore now, so... I don't. Why, why would Kelleher not be the next man up? Yeah. Um, All right. Moving on to the Connacht game quickly. Um, almost had a huge win over in Toulouse. I know that's that's not, doesn't neither here nor there, but seventeen fifteen up after about fifty five minutes. Mm. Um, looking good. Looked like they were frustrating Toulouse, and uh, Toulouse didn't look great. To be fair, um, again discipline. I think let Connacht down, but. Interesting the way they picked the side. They left Carty out. Um, left another f- Sprite. Sprite got a start. Yeah, they did accurate. I like it. <laughs> You're listening. Yeah, um, which kind of shows to me anyway that they're the Connacht are aware that they're probably not going to win the Champions Cup. So the most important thing for them is to qualify for it by doing well in the Pro 14. So um, they probably load the side next weekend. They did it last year um, away to Sale, I think, as well, where they. Could have won. It's mm. kind of same scenario. They could have won yesterday, potentially if they had a stronger team out. Um, but ultimately, Toulouse too strong. They probably like. I think like looking at Sprout coming in and getting game time again like that. It, it's the fact that like. I think Connacht have probably got like less resources from a playing point of view than mm. the other provinces, <clears throat> so they can't just keep hammering the same guys all the time. So having having the confidence in someone like Sprout to put him in there and say. You know, you're, this is you. You know, you're, this is up against like Romain Entomac. This is like Bezzy. You know, you're looking at quality halfbacks out there, yeah. and let's let's see what you can do against them. And I thought, like, I thought, I thought by and large, I thought Connacht did. I, I agree. I don't think Toulouse were, were firing on all cylinders, but I thought like I th- Tom Farrell is, mm. is 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 quality. He had a spiral kick uh, halfway through the yes. second half, rifled it down into the yeah. right corner. 
which like Munster in the last 20 minutes of that ha second half on Saturday, you were like, if Raj was here, he would just yeah. ping this spiral yeah. bounce into either corner. You'd just become the like pressure. the stereotypical Munster fan. <laughs> if Raj was here in Gallows and Claw, get O'Connell out there. So like, O'Connell is so skinny now. <laughs> like, but the spiral Claw looks like a goblin. Like, Mick Galway's about 60 and like, Raj is just on Virgin Media all the time, like, talking about like, uh, yeah. so, okay, like so those guys, and, like, bring those guys back when they were playing and they'd have turned it around, man. The spiral kick, why is it gone out of the game? It's so It's too risky. But like, if you get a 10 and you're like, you want to set yourself, like you said well, about... That's Felix uh, when he comes like, on. Like you said about uh, Felix St. Andrew Conway, that if you want to get your contract to bump it up the, the next 20 grand or whatever... Spiral kicks. Someone as a 10 needs to learn a spiral kick and just, you'll, you'll become... Uh, just to be clear, commodity. when Andrew Conway wants his Conway wants his contract bumped up, it's not by twenty. It's <laughs> okay. Uh, right, is that enough? We've done enough for that stuff. Yeah, Will no, we well get... done with monsters draw. But again, <laughs> Cooney, Cooney, opportunist, like on a on a, on a sh really shitty day when if you, I, I thought I thought the, I thought the Ulster game was probably the most the most enjoyable of them because I said like there's serious progress coming here. To, to beat a team like Claremont there off the back of an away win against Bath. Mm. And, you know, they're all young players who are going to keep getting better. It's whether they can just manage the expectation while those players are coming in and, and add, add, add a little bit more quality with players coming back and maybe a couple of, uh, okay. a couple of signings. They need to go back to back. Let's take a break. Let's take a wins. break and move on from Ulster. I've had enough. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. All right, welcome back and welcome to the show. The first ever Irishman to win a Rugby World Cup medal, which I'm sure you have on you. Uh, you carry it with you everywhere, I presume. Not uh, today. <laughs> Did you bite it when you, when you got awarded it? <laughs> no. That is a lie because you sent me pictures of you on WhatsApp going, as in, look how well my life's going. <laughs> What's going on with you? I was like, oh, what's that? Uh, Mr. Felix Jones, uh, I suppose over the last few weeks, a lot of people have, I'm sure, have been asking, like, how did this come about? Um, and the first answer is, well, the easy answer is, Rassi picked up the phone and he called you because you've a little bit of uh, uh, history and, and experience working together. But the long answer to that is, um, we retired in 2015, uh, and this is a, a journey that I'm going to try and synopsis into right. 30 seconds you retire in 2015 at 29 years of age um, you get your first job the following season coaching Munster Rugby the team you've just retired from playing so coaching a lot of players you played with a lot of players that are older with than you uh, coming in under Anthony Foley and uh, Anthony like sadly, and me and, and you he's in an, under yeah. me under <laughs> you <laughs> alongside Jerry uh, you know the head coach Axel passes away um, which I can't even imagine what, what that was like for the two of you having to work in those scenarios. Everyone knows, uh, knows the story there. You go on to get to a, a semi-final in the, in, the, in the European Cup that year and then a final in the Pro 14. The following season, uh, Rassi comes in. Oh, Rassi's been in already. Rassi and Jack leave halfway through the season. You have to take over the helm of Munster Rugby and you get to a semi-final and another semi-final that season. The third year, uh, you get to another semi-final and another semi-final. You've uh, throughout those three years, you've you've had some records like the most matches in a season that Munster have ever won in their uh, entire profession. Sounds like an American stat. Most <laughs> matches that you've ever <laughs> ever won in one season, and most tries that Munster have ever scored in a season. Um, and then you decide to step away and. All of a sudden, you're sitting at home in Dublin, wondering what you're going to do. Caravan and Wicklow. Caravan and Wicklow. <laughs> <laughs> and a tinfoil tin hat. Tin hat. <laughs> but having, despite all that, have you ever beaten? Have you ever drawn with rafting at home? Because <laughs> that's what happened on the weekend. Don't know if you heard. We were talking about it for ages. Uh, and then you get the phone call from Rassi Erasmus. Um, so you go to the World Cup. You win a World Cup. Now you must be the most valuable Irish coach in the world. So uh, where do you go from here? Well, I wouldn't say that. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I kind of 
just walking around uh, Sandy Cove, Glasgow, <laughs> just saying hello to people and uh, giving time to Leanne and, 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 and the lads. So there's not... Giving uh, time to them as if yeah. like, they're so lucky to get time. You're like, they're, <laughs> it's your partner and they're your, they're your kids. So I'm, I'm giving them time as well. Uh, yeah, no, I, I actually do mean actually spending more time because it it's been so mental. It, it has been mental over the last couple of years. Um, and then obviously going over to Japan for... Uh, we went out early, so we went out two weeks early to play Japan in a, in, in a warm-up game. So the um, and then went back to South Africa then for a couple of days for the we went we went around the country, which was which was crazy. But literally not really seeing the family a lot over the last couple of uh, couple of months. And then obviously, sure, you, you know how how insane it can be at times when you're when you're in the thick of it with Munster and especially European weeks that you don't really get to see much of them so I've kind of said look we'll do Christmas at least and then Leanne, uh, Leanne flew over didn't she? Leanne came over for the semi in the final yeah yeah. so that so was did you get any time with her? Very little uh, <laughs> very little we got we got uh, we, I think we had one down day um, during that week and then um but even then, you're kind of you're just so tired from 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 the build up and, and there's so much going on that you're kind of um, you're not much crack, not much crack at the best. You weren't too tired when you were sending me pictures on the piss for the week after the final. <laughs> <laughs> so I obviously didn't work too hard up to there. Um, yeah, it's a pretty crazy story. But Felix, what I'm like, you take it back to your first involvement. So when you, you was your first involvement when you flew over for the for that game against Japan. Yeah. So yeah. like, what was that like? Did Rassi introduce you to them? Like you, you literally were sitting in in your in your caravan in Wicklow with your tinfoil hat on, <laughs> and then three or four days later, you're over in Japan being introduced to the box. Um, I don't think it was three or four. It's probably a little bit longer because I, I I knew I had time to get 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 ready on Japan and actually start preparing some of the group, trying to get some analysis done on 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 the oppositions in in, in the group. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I met them in Japan, and then you're just straight in. Uh, I think the following day we're getting ready to train, and then the following day you're presenting and you're saying, "This is how I think we can beat Japan." Yeah. 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 That one worked out anyway. I remember I watched the game and you just stopped them getting the ball to the edge and that was it. You just destroyed yeah. them. You put 40 on them, did you? Yeah. It, I, think, I think a lot of it, actually, that game was probably... Um, it gave us a bit of an advantage because you, you got to feel the conditions. It was it was so hot and humid. It, it wasn't like a wet ball like we would associate playing in Galway or whether, like, whether it's hard to handle. The ball became like a like a bar of soap it was just so and we and discovering that in that game we felt okay listen teams are probably going to make the mistake and if you look at a lot of the teams that tried to play too much rugby in those early pool games the, the, how many times were, were people saying afterwards there's so many handling errors there's a pressure it was just the, the ball was so slippery so it actually fed into your game plan that's something I didn't, I yeah. didn't realise the fact that you were probably stronger on the side of not having the ball and and just putting the opposition being a little bit more pragmatic with it, yeah, kind of fed into it for sure. I think, yeah. From but the outside looking in, uh, at the end, obviously, um, it became a little bit more uh, cemented how South Africa were playing for something more than mm. just uh, rugby, which other teams, you know, probably were um, playing for the nation, playing for the the spirit of the nation in a, in a country that's been divided and, and has gone through tough times. Was that something you could? kind of see the second you come in the door no I, I couldn't really understand like it was I don't think and even now I still don't think I really fully understand it it wasn't when we got to South Africa then you could actually see it was it was insane there was just millions of people so we, we did about four or five days of going around but everywhere you went it was just millions every airport every time you were on the bus people just waiting outside the hotels it was crazy it was insane, so I, I, you couldn't really understand it. It's, I, I found it really hard to, to grasp it. As, as the weeks went by, you're kind of going, okay, trying, trying to get a handle on it. Is that but, something they speak about in the dressing room before um, games? Or? I, no, no, I don't think it was ever used as this big, heavy, motivational mm. uh, tool, uh, but certainly towards, uh, towards the end, as things were developing, you could just kind of see um, the lads were able to draw on it a bit more. Um, and there's some pretty big leaders in that team like Asiya, his story mm. um, a pimpy story um, and then just guys that um, like a lot of the players probably probably people don't know but like they leave their clubs to come back to play for South Africa and sometimes that could have a financial implication for them but they, they want to play for South Africa so much that they'll do that um, uh, so yeah they have, they've there's definitely something there uh, 
or at least there was for the World Cup that they absolutely uh, used it. Yeah. Um, Khaleesi and uh, Mampimpi, they'd have yeah. been vocal, they'd have been speaking about um, the significance of it all, would they? No, I don't, I don't think they'd ever be... Um, it, it, definitely two different characters. Like if we if we if we consider Paulie as as one of the best captains, and we've all, we've all dealt with him, you know, he'd be he'd be uh, he's not the same mold as that kind of that kind of person. It's not they're they're not um, they're much more softly spoken. I mean, even in in the in the post match interview, you can see see after like what is you know probably you know such a, an incredible moment how composed and how uh, controlled he is. Um, and so no, they're much much softer spoken softly spoken people, but just. It's hard not to think about, say, and, and see his story has been much more publicised now. It's hard not to, uh, when you're dealing with this guy, to go, you know, to hear the things and, and know the things that he's been through to from there to where he is now. It's just you'd have to be a, a robot not to be uh, pretty inspired by it. So, yeah. so when you came in, like what I'm, <clears throat> I'd like to get because obviously the lens that you see through it would be similar, we would see it through probably a similar lens. That's why I want to, mm. when you came in to, see, to meet that squad to, to start with, mm. say for the Japan game, and your, your squad was finalised then, what did you, what was your initial feeling of the, the vibe within the room? Was it, was it confidence? Was it like, this is a really tight group? Or is it, there's quite a bit that, you know, they need to win to get tighter, to grow, you know, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can have a group and everyone's like, yeah, we're, we're all in this together, but you actually have to go in, you have to deliver. And then that's what, what actually brings you together that bit more. And you can, it can, a team can start off here and after four games suddenly be, be here, you know? Yeah. And the fact that like, he actually lost your first game. Yeah. That's what I want to, like, did you feel when you walked in and said, these guys are ready to win a World Cup or these guys know they can, but they know that there's a lot that to go through. Or you, you could probably see that more clearly than the guys who were there. Yeah. Like, just fresh eyes, more objective. <clears throat> I, the biggest thing that struck me going in around this kind of theme that, that we're, we're going to talk about is probably it was more just there's in, in, there was a complete trust and alignment in what it is that we are going to set out to do. So, if uh, if Jacques said stood up and said, "Listen, we're going to do this," uh, or our wings or our centers or whoever, you're going to do this. Then that was it. You trusted, and there was complete alignment. Or if the, if Andre Pollard stood up and said, "Listen, this is how we're actually going to go at it for the weekend," then there was just complete trust and alignment again. And that was so. So I knew immediately when you can when you can feel that vibe in a team where there's very little ego involved, and it's just everyone is just going for the one thing. Then uh, you can you can feel that you can sense it. It's it, I don't have an example that I can use, but it just um, that's it's just that's you you know how Rassi is around around making sure everyone's energies are going into into one specific point, and that was just absolutely evident. I mean, they've been together for whatever it was, you know, twelve, thirteen, or fourteen months before, yeah, before the, I was there. So the, that's what I mean. And that the, this isn't a group that like you, you generally. I think of think of two thousand and three, the the English team that went to that World Cup. They they had that. They had a four-year cycle, pretty much, to get yeah. to that World Cup. Whereas Rassi kind of came in probably eighteen months mm. out, and there was like when I look at say when Ireland beat, beat when Ireland Ireland beat them well in the Aviva, mm. I looked at that team there and I went, oh, you know, there's there's a good few fellas here who, yeah. who aren't around. There's still a, a bulk. There's still the bulk of the team, but like I was kind of wondering, is in what the I just couldn't understand what kind of feeling that like what what did Rassi do to bring them together? Like was it was it a very simple game plan? Was it something like the lads were talking about saying, "Listen, you're playing for South Africa," or is is that is that inherent in them? I don't need to say to you what it is you're playing for, but just there's so many different people who've got so like you've got Mapimpi, yeah, who and his story is 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 probably going to be vastly different to what Dwayne, Dwayne Vermeulen's story yeah. is going to be. Yeah, so I'm trying to wonder how you. Like that's sort of when people talk. This is what what I'm I'm, I'm asking. I was like, my, when people talk about rugby uniting South Africa, is like bringing people who've got very different circumstances together to be proud of one thing together. You know, so you've got like a dude who grew up in a township who, you know, was begging for food. You get a guy who's maybe from you know a, a reasonably wealthy background and and is a really hard worker. And you know, traditionally, people from the townships would probably not see rugby as as their game because mm. it probably seems to be played by pr primarily you know guys from wealthier backgrounds or from even kids who get picked up and brought into 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 you know into private schools so what what was it that you felt that Rassi probably tied the group together with what was the common thread um again i know it seems uh, 
a way of getting out of it. It's a, it's alignment and it's just a commitment to 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 what to what the plan was. So obviously a commitment to winning. So how does that manifest itself? And then it's just a commitment to the process of the week. So what we do on the Monday, what we do on the Tuesday, what we do on the Wednesday or the Thursday, depending on on the turnaround, and and just committing to to it. The turnarounds are so fast at the World Cup, and you don't sometimes you don't know when we were talking earlier. We don't know who you're playing against on certain weekends. So there there's very little time to be. Um, you know, it's trying to like pick too many holes in, in what you're doing. You have to just trust that uh, the person who is um, who is driving that certain area, and each player would have a responsibility for a certain area. You just have to trust that that person was the best person to do that uh, and go with it. Um, and I think when you have a squad of 31, and I really emphasise the 31 because. You know, certain guys knew their roles in that squad were going to be. We're going to. I'm going to be playing against Canada. I'm going to be playing against Namibia. I might get the sub one or two other ones, but I have to make sure that we are fully prepared for that game. While other guys had to prepare for New Zealand and Italy, um, and then whatever uh, whatever happened after that happened. So it was just getting everyone to go for one thing, which was to win. But before that, the process is to win. But yeah, and what- they they weren't they weren't told unofficially. That they were going to be playing in those kind of. Those I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, but they would have had a fair idea. It would yeah, just be like an entry. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd say some it, guys would be pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, what was your role? And let's say going into the English match, and mm. um, probably the one that stands out most, obviously in everyone's mind, is uh, your best performance and. Mm when everything just seemed to go right. What was your role that week building up to that game? It would have been the same as it was all for, for all the previous games, just to prepare the team in, in, in the areas that you feel there's space or that you feel you can get you, we can get a return on. So I think a lot of people thought that England game, everyone said, oh, geez, you, you, South Africa flipped their game plan for that game. It wasn't the case. It was just that that was the uh, bounce back from the Wales game, which was obviously a, a, a tough game of rugby to watch because there was so much... Uh, there was such um, there were so many moments of pressure swinging that of potential where there was a lot of kicking, there was a lot of just uh, not cracking first kind of mentality, but people were critical of that I think. But Wales had just won a Grand Slam, and although they'd lost one or two of their warm up games, um, they'd they'd still won all their games in the pool, and we felt unfortunately we were, it, the, we knew the game was going to kind of go go that direction, and then actually in the final. Um, I felt the players just played unbelievably well. When you're nine and you're ten and you're fifteen, uh, and that's just a name check. The uh, your two when when your spine of your team, your eight, all have crackers, and then obviously everyone else also played. They're probably their best game of the World Cup, and then your bench also coming on. And you look at like Malcolm Marks coming on and having two massive involvements for the two tries. Mm. When your team just plays that well, it's yeah. I mean, that's uh, there was no great change in your game plan. To put it in perspective. On a six-day turnaround for the final, you do your Monday, which is generally whatever department, let's say it's your kicking game, but then you have one other training day, uh, you have an hour on that one training day, so half of that goes to units. So now you have 15 minutes to train your attack and your defence. You can't change much mm-hmm. in, in the week of a final uh, on a six-day turnaround. You have 15 minutes to train attack, 15 minutes to train defence, so everyone say, oh, they flipped the game, there was, no, there was nothing like that. So... So actually, e controlling the narrative that goes on in the players' minds is actually the biggest thing, which is. So if I go back to the first game, when you lost to New Zealand, mm. how did that? How how did you? Like you're saying, short turnarounds. So you like what? What really impressed me about Rassi through the tournament is that he was able to sort of he would he would he would control the narrative around where you were and how you were doing. Mm. So, but what was was that internally consistent with what he was projecting externally? Like after he lost to New Zealand. Hmm. like suddenly people start going I understand what you're saying it's very short periods everyone has to be 100% committed and I think to be fair to any of the South African players I've ever worked with they've been so coachable Hmm. to take information on board they're not second guessing because you don't have the time Hmm. to have these big long debates or you know you need to get to the point and when you're winning that's fine but when you lose suddenly you get like this thing where you've got like 31 players looking at you wide eye going our plan didn't work there. No, mm. that's what's what. So, so how do you bounce back from that? So, we, so we would have reviewed that game, uh, and we would have said <clears throat> we actually felt we were dominant for large parts of that game, and they scored their two tries from uh, happened to be kick reception. I think one was a kick reception, and one might have been a turnover, and it, it had happened like bang bang. It was like six minutes where 
kind of like what you were saying earlier with wrestling sometimes you can just go we didn't really do too much wrong there but all of a sudden we're under our posts and then you kick off the ball again and, and within 30 seconds again you're kind of almost under the pump and then you're under your post again and you're going what the hell's happened here and we just conceded mm. 14 points um, so in review of that game I don't know there was obviously huge moments where Cheslin uh, very nearly went over on the far side I think we got turned over twice just on their line so there was there was loads of momentum swinging moments um, and we said, well, look, if, if, if New Zealand are favourites for the World Cup, although uh, may, many people said maybe England, but if New Zealand were one of the favourites for the World Cup, uh, and, and that was it, and, and it was that close, and, and if we, let's say we take one of them or we, or we negate one of the turnovers, then we had, we're right in the mix. And after that, it just got tighter and tighter and tighter. It was mad. It was a complete positive after it. So that's, the, the, like, so what you said, Baz, like, for them to actually click in the final... When I didn't think that the guys who actually make your attack game, your I didn't feel that like 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 Pollard or Larue had had hit anything like the form that they could do during the tournament, and for them to just go, it's not like he spent like you just said you've got fifty minutes to try and attack, so it's not like you were able to spend an awful lot more time in your attack and suddenly it's firing. It's actually whatever they're obviously mentally you know very strong or or whatever way you, you, you teed up the situation said you just got to show up on today and play mm. and bring yourselves to it or what what was it that, uh, that got because Pollard and Nauru like they, they were not like they, they didn't play like they could uh, during I, the tournament I think I think I think with those two guys in particular they're Nauru gets um, uh, unless you have all the angles you know when you know when you're doing your analysis when you're playing and you had those behind angles you've got a wide shot and you have that and you don't always see the I mean Mapimpi has scored I don't know how many tries he scored in the last I think it's 14 or 15 out of 14 or 14 out of 15 something like that and I swear Vili LaRue has probably been uh, the second last the last or the third last pass in in, in 13 or, or 12 of those tries so there's a huge amount of stuff that he does that I don't think a lot of people see um, so um, he also ha- has has um, high profile errors because he is that guy. He is the link guy. He is the one that uh, you know that 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 pressure comes on. So I think when people see that, they 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 can be critical. But for sure, he's he is one of the best players. For, for if for the him. pass sticks, it's a try. If yeah. it's not, he looks like yeah yeah yeah. yeah. But I, I was just so impressed. I thought Pollard was just immense in the final, and I thought Larue was immense, and I thought that was a lot of the difference. I remember speaking to Baz about it, and Baz just said, "Man, they they looked like they attacked completely differently." And I said, "I was I was like, it did, it did." But like you're saying that, listen, it's not that we attacked completely differently. It's just that those lads fired mm. the bounce of the ball went for went our way, and their mental the, the fact that they were mentally tough enough to bring themselves to that the final. I I. I wanted you to win. Obviously, they were playing England as well. I thought England were very good, but traditionally Irish people won. Mm. I don't know about you, but traditionally Irish people want <laughs> want want to see anyone but England win. Yeah. And I remember watching the the press conferences and the build up, and I said, "Am I going to spend the next twenty years of my life watching all of these guys talk about?" And at time, I remember, you know, talking about it like in dining out and it like in, but I I couldn't see. You, you were you were incredibly good at certain aspects of the game, but I couldn't see how you could go from a you know when those key key drivers of your attack game were, were operating you know subpar mm. to what to what their, yeah, their level see, is, and then for them to suddenly go and just play so well. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I would disagree to say that Andre wasn't wasn't at that level. I just think the games leading up to it were. It, again, we 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 knew how the um, the um, the Wales game would go. We we knew that that game was going to lead into that kind of thing. And if you actually think about the game-breaking moments, it was all down to Andre. He was the guy who created those two or three sparks for us to get that try. Um, and then uh, the maybe, Japan- uh, maybe you didn't see that because you've been out of coaching. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly didn't see it. Not a clue. <laughs> uh, and then the Japan game was—I uh, mean, the, the quarterfinal was—that was, that was it, it. Was insane, first of all, because of the because of the build-up, and we were in Japan, and how, how the—I mean, the emotion, and that was—I mean, every single person in the world wanted Japan to win that game except unless you were South African every other nation wanted Japan to win that yeah. game so uh, and Japan hold the ball unbelievably well um, so there was there was quite a specific way of going into that game which um, I, I thought Andrew actually delivered pretty well um, so I disagree with you yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. fair enough 
Uh, so you na- name a lot of players there, and uh, when you do. Who was that white guy? That skinny white guy that was in with us there. That he's in with us. Like, what was he? He's, he did he get a medal? He's walking into me. He's like, hey, buddy, <laughs> who's this guy? Um, but like, you're working closely with those guys over the last couple of months. Um, when you played, you, I think you pride yourself on how hard you worked and how hard you trained. Probably the hardest trainer I've ever and one of the best at breaking his neck (laughs) yeah very good at breaking (laughs) his neck did that twice reckless Um, what do you how do you kind of look at those players that you coached over the last couple of months with with that lens like how hard they work Um, obviously we saw all the photo of them before the the competition going in and how uh, insanely massive they all look Mm. and I think Alad Walters is is one guy that hasn't gotten too much of a mention. He's in your shadow massively, actually, but nah, uh, nah, uh, just over here in the media. But we all know how, how I think for amazing balance, a guy he is. O- for over balance, there. if they'd put Felix in that picture with the rest of them, I think that, that would. Yeah, well, some of them are big, but some of them are actually. <laughs> Alan's on billboards over there, man. He, is he? Yeah, yeah, he, he was on a billboard earlier yeah. this year. Really? Yeah. Uh, he's obviously done an incredible job with the players. Yeah. They must love him. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they absolutely love him. I mean, Alan's got such a good way uh, about him. Uh, it's very hard not to want to work hard for him. He he, he brings such an element of uh, crack, uh, but still manages to get uh, what what what's needed done. So, like, um, I think we spoke about this before as well. As the, I think the SNC guy is the person who probably has the most contact time with the player. So he, how he rocks up in the morning or how he rocks up to a gym session or a pitch session warm up can often determine the vibe of of, of the next hour or two. Mm. And Alex got a really good uh, feel for the pulse on that. Um, and then on top of that, he's also probably I feel leading the way uh, across the world. He, he's the best SNC coach I've I've seen. Uh, from the point of view of being able to integrate the rugby into the stuff he's doing, so I mean, he'll almost uh, he'll sit the entire time of a coaches meeting and look at all the previews and all the departments of the game, and then uh, he'll taper his uh, warm ups or how he themes things, even in the gym or uh, as a, as the primers before speed and stuff. He'll taper all that stuff um, to to just so that it's it's all kind of just feeding through and it's across the program for the week uh, he, he'll have it all uh, lined up and that's where I feel he's pro- I think he's he's just um, above the rest you must have had a, a kind of a moment between the two of you we were like what the fuck <laughs> how did uh, this happen yeah 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 Alada actually he had his parents over there and uh, they, they actually went down onto the pitch and stuff so it was, it was a great moment for him. his dad was still wearing a scarlet jacket <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That is a massive Scarlet supporter. Yeah, yeah. Never brilliant. goes to a game without it. So uh, it, was pretty, it was funny, yeah. That's hilarious, man. Um, and so the celebration's insane over in, over in South Africa. Like, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's leading so the charge? People. Um, different days, a lot of guys were, were leading. Uh, Bangi was, uh, was, was unbelievable. Uh, he just couldn't. Uh, he just had so much energy. Yeah, he just constantly up for it the whole time. Uh, and see as well, you know, for a guy who whose life now has probably just changed completely, he was just able to just uh, go again and go again and just keep giving energy back to the crowd. But um, it was hard not to because, it, it, and it's hard to comprehend it. But it it was just there's so many people everywhere we went. So we'd be on a bus for maybe five six hours, or even some days it was like longer, it was eight or nine hours. It's just constant. Uh, masses of people, masses hitting up every different city. Yeah, every so of days. we're in Durban, Johannesburg, <clears throat> Cape Town, uh, Port Elizabeth. Um, we went to Zuida as well, um, Soweto, um, places just crazy places to go to. Yeah, and what you were saying earlier was uh, the uh, rugby in the townships. I think were, you you'd hope that it would, you'll get a massive bounce back from this. I think Supersport made it free to air for the final free to air for the first time. So, yeah. um, uh, you know, there's probably an extra couple of million people now watching that and then, and seeing um, seeing see a captain and and, and, and mm-hmm. lifting the cup. But hopefully, it'll have a bounce back. The, 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 it'd be interesting to see if they, if how they capitalize on the, the positive wave. Like, if if it's you know, people say like it's so great for the country. So, well, 
what's practically going to change for some guy now, you know, who's in a township or mm. I, I suppose, look, Rassi's obviously super empowered and, and I know that he was looking to, he was trying to tap into that any, anyway all the time when he was when he was involved in the high performance area with, with South African Rugby Union. But, you know, do you understand what I'm trying to, trying to get a pathway so that those kids that see Sia go, I can actually yeah. get into that pathway as yeah. well. Yeah, and that's, that, look, that, that's Rassi is going to be... Um, you know how passionate he is about making sure South Africa is a sustainable uh, uh, force in rugby. So um, he, I'm, I'm sure he's been busy implementing all that stuff and putting and it in. The Lions series couldn't come at a better time for them now that they've won the World Cup and the focus is kind of back on them. That's the next big international competition. Mm. Two years' time and they get to defend uh, that title against you know the Lions, who, who obviously will uh, bring a, a huge amount of attention. Is that something that you, you kind of you want to be around for? Or? Uh, I, I don't know, Baz, to be honest with you. I'm not sure what my, my story is going to be. Um, I kind of promised Leanne that I wouldn't uh, uh, engage too much in, in um, what's next. I said, let's get to Christmas and, and, and then we'll, we'll have a few discussions. So I don't know. Obviously, she's being involved in something like that would be incredible. Um, but there's a few, there's, I don't know if there's, like, is there a few options at the minute or is it something like... You know, Everyone wants them, I think, at this point. Like he's, uh, he's an original member of Hermitage Green. And yeah. we, you we, were trying we, to get me back we into the game. Get back straight away. <laughs> Got a World Cup winner. Dermy, sorry, man, you're gone. Yeah. I, I was going to ask, what, what will happen with Dermy? If I do come down and play, will we just both be sitting beside each other? Embarrassing. Well, Dermy's kind of expanded into electronic drums now. Right. Um, you said I was going to get a gig as well. So, We've got, two, we've got two drummers already now. We have four. What was the name of your band again? I can't remember. You wouldn't tell me. What was the name of it? I, for the life, I just can't remember really? what they're you called. You can't remember. I'll, I'll tell you later on. Ah, you're lying. So there's evidence of this out there somewhere. I don't know. Of what? Of your band. I don't know. There uh, might be some footage. I'll get on to Anna. I'll find out. Anna has um, I think the Bowerom is like the most perfect instrument for Felix to play <laughs> just give him something that he can just because he, he can't sit still anyway he's always like tapping something or hitting something he's like, just give him that and let it make noise didn't you yeah. play the the, the bow run with um, Christy Moore that time in camp <clears throat> yeah didn't yeah, you yeah, and then yeah. you were like everybody was rummaging around someone handed you something and you're like this isn't the correct stick <laughs> a spoon <laughs> it was like uh, yeah wasn't it no I think it was more like uh, you know what has like kind of almost they're almost like a, a load of little sticks as a stick mm. with rubber bands on it that was kind of oh hot rods yeah kind of like hot rods yeah, yeah. what are yeah. your thoughts I've never even asked you this what are your uh, what are your memories of being in the band and and uh, that time when we were both injured and we were I suppose and it should be in a depressing place in Munster, not able to play uh, two long-term serious injuries, and then all of a sudden we're playing four or five gigs a week. Uh, yeah, the best parts about it, I, it wasn't really the gigging. I know you, uh, probably a little bit different to you guys. Like the music for me, I, you know, I'm not really into music. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not good at music. It was more, it was just the crack. That, that's actually what I was missing. It was almost like because when you're when you're injured, you know the way sometimes you're injured in a rugby group and then your schedule completely changes yeah. and you're not. And we, you, you almost start hanging around with the injured guys and you mm. have your own little pod of, of things and you kind of miss that a little bit when you have a long-term injury. So um, I just. Felt that the music was such an ex- an escape of us just having the crack where we'd go and rehearse, but like most of the time you're just fucking about and, and having the crack and talking about what happened on the weekend or what happened at the, anything really. Uh, and I missed I missed that I missed the the uh, just the fun the fun of it. I don't really miss the music. Yeah, your ears would be ringing so badly after the gigs and stuff, and I'd be trying I'd be trying to sleep. I'm like, I've got to get up and do rehab in the morning. I was just like. This is no longer uh, sustainable for me. Yeah, but it was some crack. It yeah, was. It was. We some had great a good time. Crack, we did. Times, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll get you back over Christmas. I think you've committed now at this stage. Yeah, so, yeah we'll do something. Yeah, we'll we'll do we're going to sell out on the back of Hermitage or back of Felix Jones World Cup medal. <laughs> He'll bring it. I promise. <laughs> um, the two of you had some interesting times together as well. We did. Yeah. Whenever you were talking about um, how hard a trainer is, it reminded me of um, our trip to Para. And we went to Para. <laughs> you all seen that? The what? Gap, yeah, no. in Peru. Camp Para? Yeah, it's like a piss take of kind of posh English people uh. going to the Gap, yeah, going to, <laughs> okay. to raise awareness. <laughs> <laughs> you all seen that? Yeah. Uh, anyway, he raises awareness. Yeah, he? yeah, exactly. We did, yeah, for all the wrong reasons. But um, we've talked about that story. We've mm. talked that to death. But I know you were talking about how hard a trainer he is. 
and how competitive he is and how fired up how fired up he is. There was a fellow that was looking after us, David Cassidy, we were talking about him earlier on. He owns the hostel in Peru and they looked after us very well. Lucky hostels, yeah. Lucky hostels, yeah. yeah. Um, you'll get a warm welcome there, you'll get looked mm. after. But um, he, this guy prides himself on being a, um, he has the record walking home from some bar in town up to the hostel. It's like, it's what was it ten minute walk? Yeah, but walk. Altitude, and it's altitude. It, it, it's yeah. high up. Yeah, yeah. But it's a fast. It's 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 not a normal ten minute walk. It's probably a half hour walk. But this guy is like a competitive walker. Walk. And this is his thing. This is his pride and joy that he has the record <laughs> walking home from the bar. Felix beat him. <laughs> <laughs> Felix beat him home. walking. I, okay. I don't think if even if I had. I had the if I could have walked fast enough to beat him, I don't think I would have had yeah. the heart because it meant so much to him. <laughs> Felix <laughs> made me feel so bad. Yeah, he was ruthless. He's like, one thing he had. Yeah. Because he was so good to us. Yeah, he's still in contact with us, but he looked after us so well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, it, he actually took us out for a meal that night. The whole and, and then <laughs> I remember when we <laughs> shot off. <laughs> we were so shocked at the speed. We were both laughing. Yeah, for so yeah, long. Yeah. But then we got there. I was like, no, we we got to the front door and then we got in. He was so disappointed. And you were like, I can't believe. He did that thing. <laughs> He's been so good to us. He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, let him win his race. Like, yeah. what does it mean to us? And anyway, so, like, so you were walking back together and he bolted and he you said, went I was planning. Like, it, was, it, was, it was a big. It was, and he took off. He, he wanted the races. He wanted the races. And what, like, you couldn't, like, bend at the knee. It was like keeping the legs. Is that weird hip thing? Like, yeah. It was, it was, I did. I cheated a bit and still <laughs> didn't get anywhere near amazing. these two. Amazing. <laughs> two freaks. Yeah. yeah. So that was our gap here. Yeah. In Peru. Yeah. Trip. I haven't heard from much from you since. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, after you didn't name your child Felix, I thought it was. Yeah, Felix everyone was else did. It's like most children. He was going to, but then he, he, he chickened no. out. O'Connell, Nile Ronan, John Ryan. Is it? Trimby was Trimby. going to, but he Felix was chicken out. Yeah. yeah. Felix and Alfie were both in the mix. Three monster yeah. players. And I went for Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. If I have any more, I think if Anna gets her way, we will have more. <laughs> I don't want to have any more, but um, worst case scenario, I'll get the call. Number four, Felix, if okay. I'm lucky enough to have I'm a call. I'm that now. Okay. Yeah. That's a cat. It's more of a cat's name. <laughs> that was actually Anna's issue with it. <laughs> 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 she overruled me. Anyway. Uh, okay, I think we've, ha- we've, we've held you up for long enough. I'm sure you're... Uh, you got probably got, got some got more World Cups so to win or something. Yeah. yeah. I thought we were all going for lunch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do we have to pay for you to go for lunch now? I presume, like... It's all paid dinners and lunches. I went stuff. for dinner with him last Monday, man, and he brought his medal with him, like as in, like, and brought it in and showed it to the people in the restaurant <laughs> straight away. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, this is so arrogant!" And I was like, Are "We, we, st- I still end up paying for the meal." Yeah. But I was like, "Felix, like, oh, just so you, in case you missed this, I have my medal with me." All right. Well, you'll stick around for black and white. Uh, this is our ridiculous game that we play at the end. So uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with black and white. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Okay, time for black and white. Uh, We're going to mix it up a little bit uh, because we've got Felix here. We've got a World Cup winning coach. We're going to get him to judge. Uh, What we're going to have is we're going to have over the first six Pro 14 games and the last two European European rounds, we're going to get Barry and Andrew are both going to pick their team of form players, Irish qualified form players, and we'll get Jonesy to judge which team he thinks would win. But also some young players who are at the World Cup. <laughs> because they, I mean, they have to have the if opportunity to feature. If they're in your Form 15 over the course of the last six Pro 14 games and two European games. You didn't answer my question though, but if <laughs> the guys are at the World Cup, does that mean they're not allowed to No, well, if, if they've come in and they've played really well, but they have to have played. Fine. Okay, fine. Fine. Fine, fine I don't care. Okay. Baz, I think you're a little bit more prepared, so we'll go with you. I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, at number one, uh, at, at, uh, loose head, Lockman, Kelleher at hooker, Marty Moore at tight head, uh, Alton DeLam, based on his performance the weekend for Connacht, um, in the second row, uh, James Ryan, uh, Scott Penny. Now, I know he hasn't played that much, but I think he's a big fan of the show, and we're a big fan of him. Okay. And he shows enough potential and try-scoring pedigree. To keep him Get on with us. To keep him in my team. <laughs> uh, I've gone for, again, no, I'm going to go for uh, Nick Timoney okay. uh, at seven. 
gonna go for uh, could sorry. Let <laughs> um, me just. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Max, Miller. Eric Mark, Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Max Deegan at eight. Uh, Cooney at nine. I've gone for Sprite at ten. Fair play to him away from home. James Lowe on the left. Um, Scannell. Uh, honorable mention for uh, Farrell at twelve. Uh, Ringrose at 13 Ringrose on fire at the minute Robbie Little on the right and Conway at 15 because Robbie Little's on the right purely because Conway's at 15 yeah only because he would be on the right oh, I need Robbie Little in there okay politics Baz uh, I've gone with a pretty similar fr- exact same front five Lachman Keller Moore Delan Ryan you didn't go Delan you wrote Delan down there when I said Delan <laughs> no, Felix fair. thank you uh, <laughs> Felix <laughs> Rick, you are. <laughs> he's the judge uh, Reese Ruddock Van der Fleer Deegan I've gone with Cooney at 9 I've gone with Scannell at 10 because I think he's been playing like a 10 for the last few weeks and I think he's been exceptional I think he could make a brilliant 10 uh, I've stuck early on the wing because he's just finishing for, for fun over the last few weeks put McCluskey in 12 uh, I've always been a big fan of his. Didn't play particularly well at the weekend, but um, I, I like his style. Ringrow's been exceptional. I've gone with Conway in the wing and Will Addison, the love of my life, at fullback. Oh, Will. Oh, Will. Have you ever met Will? So, I haven't. Oh, he's great. It kind of boils down <laughs> so. The, the packs are pretty similar. It's, it's Scannell versus Sprite. Versus it, who's Sprite. your goal kicker? Is it Scannell? Yep. No, Cooney. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're going to have to take your first answer. And you went with, <laughs> you went with Conway on the wing and Addison at 15. Yeah. So Mike Haley doesn't make either of your, either of your 15s. He's no. exceptional the, the, the weekend. Um, best game for Munster yet. But I just love Will Addison. Okay. Jonesy. Um, Judge. I'm going to go with Trimby. Yeah. Scan let me down. Based on... Um, no, I don't think he let you down. He's been playing unbelievable. He definitely deserves to be in one of the teams. But I think Sprout deserves a, an honourable mention. Yeah. We're all very proud. What is it, Sprout's real name again? <laughs> <laughs> Connor Fitzgerald. <laughs> can we get him on the show? I think he's probably too Billy Big Time for us yeah. now, but we can, we can always try, yeah. Yeah, anyway. He's, he's, he's a great story, and he's mm. like his, his, his older brother, Stephen. That's, that's the turnip Turniphead. Mm. Like, Two really qua- two really quality athletes, and um, and Stephen was outstanding for the Irish twenties and came into Munster and showed flashes of of, of magic. Mm. He was just consistently putting it together, like just he has like real high points, but then he would he'd have a couple of errors, which happens. But like you know, really like has has an ability to go all the way. They're both so determined. They're both. They're just. You can just when you're talking, you, you know they're going to make it eventually. Just but how determined are they? Would they beat David Cassidy back to the hostel? That's why Felix. That's why Felix likes. That's him. all race to lunch, right? That's the next. That's the next. Order. Okay. Well, hang on. I'm going to give. I'm going to give. He hasn't one. won one in a month. Bit of a sympathy one, ball yeah, ticket. Go on, there you go, you. Trimby. I'm back. Based yeah. on our guest judge. Felix Jones. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Felix. Well, Felix, thanks a million for coming on, man. It's been a pleasure. Uh, congratulations again. What an incredible achievement. Uh, Trimby Flat, thanks very much. And uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening and for any of you watching on YouTube. Hello. Thanks to everyone involved in uh, producing today's show. Producer Pat, to Dermot, to Ian, to Paul and to Anthony. Uh, we'll see you next week. This has been Baz and Andrews, House of Rugby, here on Joe together with Guinness. Party on. Party on. You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.